Welcome to Connected, a podcast with Jess. That's me. Connections are the secret to a whole life. Recognizing the connections between us and within us, mind, body, and soul, reveals the fullest potential of our humanity. Join me as I discover what connects us to each other and to ourselves. Your mind, body, and soul were not meant to live disconnected from each other. Putting all the beautiful parts of you into one breathtakingly whole experience is what you deserve. As a life coach, I work to support your story. Together, we can set free the story of you. I bring guests onto my show so that you can hear powerful stories of other women all across the world. I want you to see how profoundly important living and telling stories is. I understand what it feels like to live under expectations and programming that are not aligned with who you are. I learned to write my own story in my year of Jess, and I want to guide you as you write the story of you. Your beauty, power, and value are already in there, in you. It's time to rise into it and uncage the limitless experience that is you. You've been held back for far too long. It's time, time to take your pen back and write the story of you. If this makes your heart leap even just a little bit, let's talk. You can find out more about working with me on my website at jessicatravis.com. I hope to hear from you soon. Today, I have a friend of mine named Jill Brem, who is, um, we kind of go quite a few years back in our running community. Um, We share a lot of the same friends around running and triathlon. And um, Jill's journey, um, we kind of cross paths in a way that uh, uh, we both kind of connected on, um, encountering health issues that we never would have expected for ourselves and um and how we had to kind of reorient life around those health issues so today i am really excited for jill to be able to share her story and what she's um doing in life right now um so welcome jill and i just want to ask you uh who you are and what's going well let's just start with who you are who okay. are you? <laughs> Thank you, Jessica, for having me. I'm still probably the one few people that call you Jessica and not Jess, but hey, yeah, I got I go by both. So uh yeah, it's all good. Um so who am I? Um well, like you said, I'm Jill Brim. A lot of people know me by Jill Graves. Um, I'm recently remarried. Um I am a mom, so I have three kids. 
Um, I stayed at home with them for a long time. I've then had to go to work and I've done massage and I've done high pressure sales and, um, I am very active or I used to be. Um, and I'm going to try to not say, um, and am so much. <laughs> it's all good. It'll I, stop after a while. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, the, who am I question is kind of big. Yeah. Um, so right now I feel like I'm, I'm a person trying to get healthy. That's, that's who I am. Um, I used to, you know, as you said, a lot of people remember me as, as a pretty good runner and, um, I've had a lot of good times. I was reminiscing the other day, looking at a screenshot I had of St. Patty's five, my, um, you know, being in the top page, you know, of that or top 10 runners. So, um, so I'm just trying to get healthy. I feel like my whole life revolves around how am I going to function? How am I going to make it to next year? How am I going to do what I need to do for my kids? Uh, and how am I going to be a good partner? And I don't really have a lot of friends right now, so I don't have to worry about being a good friend, but, uh, yeah, just really focused on healing, which is hard which is hard with kids and life as we know it from March, 2020 to March 2021. Yeah. I mean, in the middle of trying to navigate um, health issues, which we'll go into in a second, we throw this little thing called COVID or pandemic into the picture. And just when you think you're starting to, okay, this is how I move forward with these health issues, with this lifestyle issue that I have. And this is how I'm going to navigate forward. And then it all just kind of gets yeah, mixed up and confusing. So, um, you know, I want to go back just a little bit um, because one of the things that I have known about you, um, having been with you in the running and triathlon community for years, um, I was just starting to kind of come in, into all that when I think you were kind of peaking um, at, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you were, um, uh, the, I was going to say the one thing that I, I learned very quickly about you is that you are very competitive mm-hmm. and very determined. Yeah. And, um, that made for a really great, um, uh, like, like a, uh, someone to train with, someone to be excited at races with. Like you're, I just remember um, you had certain people, you're like, I'm going to beat that person today. Um, you had really strong internal personal goals. Yeah. And um, and then you had this amazing natural talent to just yeah. uh, be fast. And so um, I think it's really seeing that driving personality in you and then watching you encounter such a health crisis. Um, I, I, one, I really felt for you, but two, I, I saw multiple react, uh, multiple outcomes for you in that, um, that I would love to touch on today. Um, yeah. one of them just being your lifestyle of having this thing called running an activity in your life. And the other about your culture, your community that you mm-hmm. existed in that this, um, that this health journey had utterly turned upside down and inside out for you. 
So let's, uh, let's call the elephant in the room a name. So what was it, uh, share that journey with us, um, that, that just shook your world around. Yeah, it's Lyme disease. It's, um, very common, sadly undiagnosed in many, many people. Um, and I just, I feel like I have to say this just for a health statement purpose, but just like, um, one of the most famous doctors that treats Lyme disease that started the clinic that I started going to, and, um, it's actually Woodenville. So it's the East side of Seattle, Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he's never had anybody come into the clinic that has ALS, uh, Parkinson's MS or Alzheimer's that doesn't test positive for Lyme. I mean, you want to talk about a pandemic, mm. right? I mean, like I look back to when I was a kid, this stuff was not as common, right? All these autoimmune diseases, they were not as common. I mean, even cancer at that rate was not as common. And it is so prevalent now. I mean, chronic illness is a major, um, you know, population. Uh, there's a huge percentage of people that are chronically ill. And I kind of lump them all together because we all are battling something very similar. And we, you know, depending on which diagnosis you get, sometimes insurance wants to cover you. Sometimes they don't. I got one of the diagnoses that I don't get covered. So, Mm. you know, it's just, it's a really sad thing, the way our healthcare system is set up that doesn't help people Mm. chronically ill. Um, We're not set up for that in this society. And I just think in the years to come, we're going to start seeing more and more things kind of start to shift because it's so it's everywhere, you know, everybody, you know, I mean, from not being able to get out of bed to take care of your kids to, you know, I don't, I don't know. Everybody's, you know, this big spectrum of, you know, ending up in a wheelchair or whatever from something that they're not even sure what caused it, you know? So that's the big thing is just Lyme disease. Uh, I've, I've been sick for a long time, even as an adult, there was, um, kind of as I was peaking in the triathlon world, um, then the Coeur d'Alene half Ironman had their first, Mm. um, race. And I was signed up for that. And it was like two weeks before that, Mm. uh, that race, I got really sick. Actually, it might've been like three weeks, but it was definitely like within that span right before that race. I went out to, and this involves your daughter, my story. (laughs) I went out to run an easy 13. People can't see me saying with my air quotes, but I'm (laughs) kidding you when I say easy 13, like people outside of the running community are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, really 13 miles can be very easy. And, and for me, it was, you know, 10, 13 miles. That's, that's an easy out outing, you know? So my, my day, I was met up with the Swifts, um, Sydney came over, it was a Saturday morning and she came over to babysit and I met up with the Swifts, started out my run and like something just was not right. I went from easy 13 to I'm going to do six today. And then to getting about three miles or not even three miles out, probably like two, two miles out on the run turning around thinking this something's like my body's like literally shutting down, ended up walking back to my car. Hmm. 
I was like, I have no idea what's going on. Like it was just the fatigue just hit. It came on so suddenly. Um, literally the day before I didn't experience that, you know? And so I got back and I was trying to pay Sydney and I put two tens in her hand and I said, that's 20. Right. And she looked at me and she goes, are you okay? And I was like, I, I mean, I was just so like, my brain just completely went to mush. And that same day, um, I was trying to buy a house. So, I mean, there's always, there's always these, these factors, right. Stressors mm-hmm. in your life that end up, you know, we, we carry these, you know, bacteria and viruses or whatever in our bodies. And we take these hits, whether it's emotional stress, you know, a major trauma in your life. And that's when it just takes over your whole body. So, um, I was in the process of looking at homes and trying to buy a house for me and the kids. And so we went out to meet my realtor and then we got back. Um, and I, we had to go to Trader Joe's and I ended up running into a parked car cause I couldn't hmm. no depth perception. I mean, so we're talking like major, just like meltdown that day. Wow. And so that was as a, an adult, the onset of when I'm like, I'm finishing this race because my boss had sponsored me and I am done racing. Like I thought it was because I was just overworking myself. You know, I thought there was something I had done to myself. And as time went on, I kind of, obviously I came out of that acute phase, maybe a month of being super, super tired. Like I went home after work, slept an hour so I could make dinner for my kids. Wow. Nobody knows that. Yeah. I'm going to try not to get emotional about it, but having family so far away and then having that happen, you're just like, I had to sleep for an hour to make dinner. Hmm. So that kind of, that got better. And then I just kind of had this low grade always tired, not feeling myself, um, for years. I mean, a couple, two, three years went by. I mean, I'm so bad with time that I can't, I don't Mm -hmm. remember, but, um, it wasn't until December of 2018 that, um, I had met a friend, a coworker and she had Lyme and was in the most part recovering and, and towards the end, like she now is in remission and feeling fairly normal. I mean, there's still things that she always will have to do for the rest of her life to stay that way. But, um, she waited a whole year for our friendship to like blossom before she had the heart to tell me you need to get tested for Lyme disease. Like it just, you know, to just blurt that out at me when she first met me, even though like everything I said, and she looked at me and she's like, for sure, this, this girl has Lyme disease. So, um, you know, David ran the test and called me on Christmas. And then when he got it back, it was Christmas of 2018. And he's like, so it's positive. I mean, it was kind of a relief Hmm. to to know what it was, but then you find out very quickly, um, as anyone has with Lyme disease, that it is not easy to fix. So So can you explain to us, those of us who have no connection with Lyme disease, um, because honestly, it is not um, a condition that you hear much about unless you know someone. Yeah. Um, So can uh, can you explain how someone 
um, ends up with Lyme disease. I say ends up because I'm not sure, I'm not even sure what the answer to this question is. Um, and then um, what, um, on a general level, what um, are some of the things that happen when you have Lyme disease? And then I'd love to go into more detail about how it affected your story specifically, but just to give us a baseline for yeah. what is this thing? Well, I mean, it's been around for a long time. Um, supposedly it comes from a tick. It's like um, Borrelia burgdorferi or something like that. The burgdorferi, I'm not sure if I'm saying it right, is actually named after the doctor that discovered it's like a spirochete cell, you know? So um, that is like the main. Now they have since found that, that just Borrelia in itself has, you know, multiple different strains. So even, even one person with Lyme disease, say I have three of those and the next person has only one of those. I mean, it's That's very true. complex. And then you add on top of that, any co-infections, but usually it starts, you're exposed by a tick bite. You can, spiders can carry it. Um, it's, you know, it's coming from an a insect. So it's called like a vector borne illness. You're getting it from something else that's carrying it. Um, then you, you know, depending on where you're at in the United States or the world, it's all across, you know, the world. Um, there's co-infections that, that are common. And, you know, I have, gosh, I always lose count, but I think I have like five co-infections plus there's just Borrelia. So you have things that, um, make treatment very complex. And um, the CDC does not recognize chronic Lyme disease, just acute. So say you got bit by a tick tomorrow and you discovered you have this big red bullseye rash. It's, it's, you, supposedly you're supposed to get this if they're infected, you know, mm -hmm. um, and you went to the doctor. So anybody listening to this, if you do get bit by a tick, regardless if you have a rash, um, find somebody that will treat you with acute antibiotics for that. Um, because that can, that can save you from what I'm dealing with, right. Mm -hmm. That, that chronic form, um, where it's been really gotten really comfortable in your body after many years. Um, and, and very few, it's like less than 20% of people that are infected get that rash. So, um, so that's kind of how it starts. Do you, re do you remember getting bit by a tick or a spider? Oh my goodness. So I grew up in Missouri and we played outside all summer long, you know, sun up, sun down multiple. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I was bit. Hmm. I mean, stuff like sisters and I out playing in the, by the Creek with all the trees and, and literally my mom having to pick out multiple ticks out of my scalp. I mean, it was just a part of our life, you know, there. And, you know, it's, and people say, oh, it's only on the East coast because Connecticut Lyme, there was like Lyme, Connecticut is a city where they found all of this hmm. disease happening. So they're saying, oh, it only exists on certain parts of the United States. And, you know, it, we can get, we could talk three hours just on origin, but gotcha. Fair people, the bore, bore of that. <laughs> Yeah. So it's all over. And, you know, so don't be fooled by that misconception that, you know, just cause we're out here, 
my friend that has Lyme disease got it in Washington state. So, Mm -hmm. and she did have the big bullseye rash and she went to a doctor and nobody knew what it was. Mm. It's kind of, you just have to sadly, that's, I mean, the kind of the point is to talk about it is because maybe someone hearing it will be like, they'll recognize it on somebody. I mean, our own medical community sometimes doesn't. So you have to become a bit of an advocate for yourself. Big time. Yeah. Time. So, um, so you think you were, well, so you actually, uh, think that this happened sometime in your childhood and it lay what dormant, would that be the right word for it? Yep. I had a mystery illness when I was 16 that they still like, and that's just kind of the funny thing about, I, my parents are great parents, but that it's like, we just wouldn't have explored deeper explanations. You know, um, if, if my kid was sick now and they were as sick as I was, I would, I would go to whoever I needed to go to. I want an answer. Why is my child sick? You know, I was 16 and I was just talking to my sister the other day. Um, she doesn't remember this. She had to literally like pull me out of the bathtub. Like I couldn't physically get out. I mean, just so sick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they tested me because then my glands, I had like, you know, you couldn't see my um, jawline. My neck was so fat. You couldn't see the edge of my, my jaw. All of my glands had swollen up so much. So they tested me, you know, for strep and mono, nothing came back. It's like, oh, well, it's just a virus and like sent me away. Um, of course, did antibiotics. That's pretty common and um, not the ones that are specific to Lyme, but I ended up getting like three major hits, like where they had to give me a shot that finally mm-hmm. got over the hump. But I think that went on for months, just like I'd get on an antibiotic and I'd feel better. I'd return to some sort of normal. It would end and I'd be back on the couch and Mm. it was a mess. But so I look back now and I'm like, I think that's my first, what we call a flare. Like, I feel like that's my first flare of Lyme disease. Mm. Then it did lay dormant. You know, I've, I've always tried to live a pretty healthy life and I've been active and I eat well and I try to reduce my toxic load and all of these things. So I think I was able to function with it for a long time until I got divorced, was a single mom working, trying to buy a house uh, every other weekend when the kids were with their dad, trying to be this phenomenal athlete. Yeah. And it was just like, what am I doing? Like my body just completely imploded on itself. So, but yeah, so I know. I don't want everyone to think that antibiotics is like the only way, because that's more of like, I don't think they're helpful in a chronic state. Hmm. I would say acute. So I definitely want to say that Yeah, listening to this. So, yeah. So in this um, particular adult onset um, or adult flare up that you had, um, this, this, uh, like almost instantaneous moment mm-hmm. of, uh, just absolutely changed the game for you in how you lived daily. Right. It did. I still have, I mean, and this week's been really rough since, you know, really the last two, three weeks since the kids have gone back to this in-person, you know, mm. 
call it a hybrid schedule. I've got kids going here at this time. It's a mess. So honestly, if I can sleep, so that's why I bring that up is because I haven't been able to get any sleep because I'm getting up early and doing now up early for the normal person is not up early for me. So Mm. you would think seven o'clock is a normal appropriate time to get out of bed. That's not the same for me. Like if I'm up by nine or 10, that's like, that's, we're good. That's a good day. Um, so one of the things that it immediately affected was just, I got to go to bed. I mean, I'd put the kids to bed and they were younger then. So they were going to bed a lot earlier and I'd go to bed and still now with them getting older, I'm like, I got to say good night and you guys can read in your room or do whatever, but I got to go to bed. You know, there's nothing left in the tank. It's, it's basically like allowing a 10 to 12 hour stretch of time for sleep every single day, which is like, people are like, well, how do you do that? I'm like, I know I, this is like, that's my life. You know, you sleep a lot. So that's one of the biggest things. And then just not having, um, like I was saying, it's like the brain capacity, like I'll even struggle to form a sentence sometimes where it's embarrassing, right? You're embarrassed to have a conversation with someone that, someone that you don't know very well or to go to a party and a gathering that people don't know that about you because it's like, they might not even notice, but you're self-conscious about it, you know, like looking like you're spacey or, you know, can't carry on a conversation. So I got really nervous actually when we started this. <laughs> chill out. It's fine. You're doing great. <laughs> so, well, yeah. and, and that's, a that's an energy suck too, mm-hmm. you know, when managing that social yeah. um, experience for yourself. Yeah. And I know one of the things that you and I have discussed in the past is, um, is having that, that reality that you, at, you go through this phase of learning what the new normal is going to be for you, what your body needs, what what you need to sustain a chronic illness. Mm-hmm. But but then there's this aspect of um, navigating other people in their misunderstanding of it. And when you just say, I'm t- tired, I have to go to bed, I have to sleep. Mm-hmm. These are things that culturally we don't really understand. Right. Um, for allowance in relationships, especially mm-hmm. in such an active um, community that you've been a part of, where it's drive harder, drive longer. Drive Get up further. at 5 a.m. I'll see you on the yeah. corner of the street. Let's do our easy seven. <laughs> right. Sun up. Yeah. Well, and the Swifts is no easy running group. I mean, this is a, a group of women here in Spokane who are, um, you know, you're fast runners. Yeah, yeah, very talented women. Yes. So um, so talk a little bit about that and how that experience for you navigating socially as okay. your world started to change. Um, well, it feels like you have no friends. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's a few of them that would probably feel bad. And I, I didn't reach out to them either. But, you know, I definitely had mm-hmm. stronger relationships with a couple of the gals on the team. Um, one of them moved away. So I can't, you know, we, we still text more than I do anybody here in town, but, um, yeah, I think it, it made me feel really alone because, you know, like 
that was my, my friend time, you know, as a single mom. And even before that, as a mom married with three kids, it was like, that's a lot of our time is a lot of those women. That was our only girl time that we have. Right. Because you're busy with work, family and all of that. Right. So it was like the Swifts were my tie to Spokane. Like they made me feel like this was my home. This was my community. Um, I felt like I had a lot of friends and I knew a lot of people. And now I feel like I have hardly any friends and that I, I wouldn't care if I moved tomorrow. I have no ties to the Spokane community. Um, I, I don't, you know, I don't really care. And I mean, I, that sounds kind of bad, but it's just like, you know, you're either feeling like you're a part of something or you don't. And I, and I don't feel partially part of something. I feel like I'm not a part of something anymore. And, and that's not anybody's fault. That's just the way you feel when you go through something that's so isolating. And then to not be in the racing community anymore, it's, you know, it's like, you know, what do you do on the weekend? What, like, what that's what we all did. Doing. Yeah. I'm like, well, so it started, you know, I just started phasing out. It was like, we called it sleep in Saturday. I'm like, I'm not getting up anymore. And I'm not going to try to keep up with people that I can't keep up with anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the first part of like, I'm not going to force my body to get out of bed on a Saturday after a long work week, which I usually had a 10 hour day on Friday. It's like a long work week. I want to wake up slowly, make a lazy breakfast with the kids. I, you know, so it started just, I was still running on my own and for a while I just ran by myself. And then, and then it got to where now I physically don't run at all. And that's been like that for at least a year. Um, so zero community. (laughs) And then of course, throw back in March, 2020 to March, 2021. Right. And it's like, we've been forced to not have community. And, and so that that's just aggravated everything. So, um, the people that you were, you know, able to get, I mean, it's getting better obviously, but you know, the people that you did spend a little bit of time with, you don't really do that anymore either. So, Mm -hmm. When I I remember uh, another conversation we had about just even helping your kids with homework in school yeah. and how difficult that was to do just that normal uh, yeah. mom thing. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about cooking as much as you love to cooking, love to cook. There were times where you're like, I, I don't, I don't have this. It's yeah. There was one time I remember being so laid out that Sierra made like cup of noodles for the kid, like, and cleaned it all up and. She was probably, I mean, she's 15 now. She was probably, I mean, she was old enough to do it, but my kids just don't do that. I'm the kind of mom that does all of the Mm -hmm. cooking all of the time, you know, always have something ready for them. And, and so for me, it's like, that's something I I want to do for my kids. So it's, you know, when she had to actually do that and, and there was not an option, there was not a choice that it's like, if you guys want to eat tonight, this is, this is how we have to do it. So Um, I mean, there have been dire times like that. I'm doing much better now. So it's, it's a lot different, but I sometimes forget how bad it was, you know, calling my mom and her saying, it sounds like you're dying. And I'm like, I feel like I'm dying. Mm. 
they didn't come either. <laughs> like they might listen to this and be like, oh, thanks, Jill. But yeah, I mean, nobody came to help. And I, I feel like that's important for me to share for my own mental health. Like mm. I will not, I, I promise to myself to be there for people. Like um, I have a friend right now early in her fight with Lyme and I, I don't have anything to give, but I give something because I'm not going to let her feel like I did. Like nobody came, nobody cared, you know? And it's like, I think it's so hard to understand when someone has this type of illness. It's not like, if I said I had breast cancer, people would be like, oh, that makes, that registers. Like the, they would kind yeah. of understand what you'd have to go through for treatment and what your life might look like. And honestly, I need the same support. Like, it, you know, like someone with Lyme disease going through, um, especially if they're, we, we go ups and downs. So I'm doing much better now. I'm functioning, I'm making food, I'm walking lots and doing all those things. But, you know, there's still nothing wrong with offering like, Hey, can I take your kids to the park? Or, Hey, can I bring your kids dinner? Cause I mean, I can't eat anything that most people eat. So, but, you know, just taking one thing off someone's plate, um, even dropping a note off in their mailbox saying, you know, just thinking of you and, you know, just things like that. I think you can show up for people and not, not, you know, have to spend a ton of time doing that. So. Yeah. Well, I think uh, there's a huge misconception, um, especially if we're not engaged with it on a very close level uh, with um, autoimmune and chronic illnesses mm -hmm. that they are a bit in your head. Yeah. Oh, you know? And um, so I think um, when there isn't um, much education, much uh, story behind the diseases, um, we often as a society go, I don't understand. And we step back mm -hmm. because we don't know how to interact with it. And, um, but what you're saying is what I, what you actually needed wasn't for them to necessarily understand Lyme disease, right? just understand that you needed support yeah, so that you could manage the Lyme disease part. Well, and just to feel like you're not doing like, literally feeling like you're on an island isolated all by yourself where there's three little people that are depending on you and you're the only one you are the only person that can step up and do what you what you need to do so um obviously since then I've I'm remarried but Brian does not cook at all so I still do <laughs> but um there's support so a lot he's been very supportive so there's lots of support there but I did want to circle back because I don't think I answered the question, what are some symptoms and what is mm. like, what do you experience? And that going back to like co-infections and what strains you have, that's, that can look different for everybody, but, um, you know, you can have neurological symptoms. So I've had ticks and tremors, um, you know, severe enough to where putting on mascara was complicated, uh -huh. um, I've had, obviously we mentioned the brain fog and just total, like your brain is just not, you're like, I know I should know that. And I not being able to count two $10 bills, that kind of thing, mm -hmm. not forming sentences. Um, I have lots of pain, just joint pain, muscle pain. Um, you know, a lot of Lyme patients have eye issues. Like 
I have a lot of floaters to where sometimes it'll like make me dizzy because there's so many of them. Mm. Um, you know, I got to the point where it was hard to drive because the brain couldn't register what was happening quickly enough. Mm. Felt like I was driving 60 miles an hour and I was going like 15. Mm. Um, And it just felt like, you know, the world's just zinging by and, and you're not, you're not able to register. I still struggle with driving some days, like where I look like a million times because I pull out in front of people all the time. I don't mean to, but it's like, I, I don't see them. I look and I don't, I mean, how do you not see a car? I don't know. It's not, I can't. So, um, you know, my last job, well, two jobs ago, I drove and I had to go on medical leave. Cause I was like, I can't drive. Um, and what else? So, I mean, just my teeth literally, I feel like have almost fallen out. They're getting better. I'm stabilized, but for someone with such a clean diet and good dental health, like I went the year, the same time that I had the adult flare, whatever year that was, I'd like 10 cavities out of nowhere. Um, you know, just, just your dental health, because there's kind of this biofilm that goes along with Lyme disease that kind of protects, protects it. And I think it disrupts the just balance in your mouth and mm-hmm. just, you know, the pH or the, you know, bacterial balance in your mouth. Um, I'm trying to think of other things. I mean, I went from, you know, healthy muscular person to emaciated then back to like kind of skinny fat, (laughs) you know, where I, I can't, it's like, it's like muscle wasting. I laugh when I'm uncomfortable. So people listen and I'm talking about all this. (laughs) It's like, whatever. Um, you know, it's just new things come up all the time. A lot of sleep issues. Like, so you need 12 hours because you don't sleep well. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, another big one for me was air hunger. So I have microplasma pneumonia that is in my lungs and actually can go all over your body. But, um, when I got even sicker after I knew I had Lyme disease, I couldn't walk a block. Like I literally sat down and started crying, um, because I couldn't catch my breath. And I knew, I mean, I was literally in front of Deaconess because I was working there and I thought, I, I mean, I, any normal person would go to the ER right now. Like I can't breathe. They're not going to do anything for me. Right. So I'm just like, I'm just going to cry about it and get to the car and the, you know, and, and so, um, I probably shouldn't say this, but I don't really care. I, I did respiratory care. And so I had oxygen, I, I administered my own oxygen in my car that day. Cause I had it in my car. Cause I had that for work. So they want to come after me. That's fine. (laughs) But you know, I'm just like, I can't breathe. It's either I'm going to go to the ER or I'm going to administer my own oxygen in the car. So, um, you know, that's how bad it was, you know? So yeah, I'm, I'm my skin, sadly, because of the years of the almost a whole year of antibiotic therapy, which I, I didn't know enough then to know that I shouldn't have taken that path. Um, but yeah, I destroyed my skin. And as a woman in our culture Hmm. age of I'll be 40 this year, I think it's really hard. I think it's really hard to look at yourself in the mirror and see, um, somebody you don't recognize and 
the acne's cleared up, but just the the melasma and hyperpigmentation um, for me is I makes me really insecure. So that's that's like a side effect of it. It's not like Lyme caused that directly, but um, is that more from the from in the medications, the antibiotics, or is that yeah? And I mean, I know I'm, I can't, you know, headaches, debilitating headaches. Um, when I was still running, I, before I knew I had Lyme disease, I was tripping. So like some more like MS types symptoms, um, where you just, it's almost like your, your body's just not getting the signals. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of digestive GI stuff that I still battle with parasites, mm. <laughs> you know, it's just so many things. And, um, I'm trying to think of the big ones. And I, I mean, fatigue, really bad fatigue. Um, yeah. So, and basically just losing everything in your life that made you happy, like running and yeah. being able to have your coffee in the morning. And, um, those are like my two favorite things and I don't do either of those anymore. So, mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, everybody's a little different. I mean, you can, you know, have, I'm trying to think seizures, a lot of Lyme patients end up in wheelchairs. Um, so I feel fortunate that I can walk. So, and it just depends on what it, what it's attacking in your body. So like, like I referred to at the beginning of, uh, when we started with Dr. Kleinhart, about his clinic saying, you know, so people that do have like Parkinson's and MS and ALS that show up there are, are the people that are in the wheelchairs that then find out that maybe had they caught the fact that they had Lyme earlier, they could have avoided that. So, but then, you know, you go with these weird symptoms to the doctor. And I mean, there's, there's definitely been times I could have gone and they would have been like, yeah, I think you have MS and they would have started treating me that way. So I think you have to be really careful when you're not getting, like when, when doctors aren't taking you seriously and they're not listening to your real symptoms and brushing you off, you gotta be careful because it's just scary. It's you know scary what might happen if you don't know what the true cause is at the time. So. When you, if I remember right, you did some interesting treatments here, maybe over in Coeur d'Alene. I'm, I'm thinking, yeah. um, cause there's a, um, a place over there that I remember you, um, talking about that. Um, what are some of the things that you have, um, been able to do on a, um, to, I think you're hoping to get to another remission state. In yeah, sure. Um, well, I actually did to start in the Valley, I did the hyperbaric treatments, which I don't know, by the grace of God, were fully covered by people that donated, which was about $5,000. Mm. Um, I mean, I even was in the chamber with a lady that ended up paying for like the last five of my treatments. Like just, she wow. just, you know, just when people see what you're dealing with. Um, so what, what were these treatments? What do they do? The hyperbaric, the idea, I don't, I don't promote it because I just don't think that it worked for me at all. But my doctor at the time said, you know, the idea is that you, you oversaturate your body with oxygen. So we're not in a singular tube where they put pressurized oxygen. We're in this giant tube 
where we all hook up with masks that go over us and give us 100% oxygen. So we're pressurized, like we're, we're diving, they call it dive. So we're, it's like we're underwater at a certain depth and then you're getting oxygen. So 100% oxygen at that pressurized level. And it's supposed to like starve out the bacteria. That's the idea. It's like mm. they can't, they're um, anaerobic. So they live without oxygen and like you're making it like an aerobic gotcha. type environment. Now that's complicated and I don't know enough about it to further explain, but, but that is the idea. Um, and also that if you're on antibiotics, which I, I also don't want to support that for somebody, but that it's supposed to drive that deeper into your tissue and, um, so, and help. So, you know, the, the person that I started with, you know, bless her heart knew a lot about Lyme, but didn't know a lot about treating it. And so I felt like I spun my wheels for a couple of years and, you know, then I went, I did, she did recommend the ozone therapy treatment, which I do. I still love that. Um, and that was in post falls. So that might be what you're thinking. Oh, of. that might've been what I was thinking of. So they take, um, some of your blood out and mix it with, um, so ozone is O3 instead of O2, um, oxygen, and then they mix it. So they're both oxygen related therapies. Um, and then you, mix it. And then she actually runs it through like a UV light as well. Then it goes back into you. Hmm. Um, and that is supposed to, it's, you know, supposed to clean out viruses, bacteria, that kind of thing that I did start feeling better on. Um, but they're $1,500, you know, for like 10 treatments, it's $1,500. Wow. So you kind of have to weigh it out. Right. And I took about a year off of treatment because this is what happens with Lyme patients is that you feel like you're spinning your wheels. You don't have someone that really knows how to help you. And you're just hemorrhaging money. And you're like, I'm just going to stop for now and see how it goes. And it didn't go well. So I ended up going to the clinic that I was speaking about the Sophia health Institute. Um, and I love my doctor. She actually moved to another clinic recently, but I, so I see her at a different clinic, but, um, what we're doing now is more, it's very complicated, but she does a special technique called ART, which Dr. Kleinhart actually, and he came up with this and it's, um, autonomic response therapy or treatment or something. And it's, um, it's not like the ART that people think of when we hear that it's using your body. They like ask your body questions, um, with different protocols. So they test your body, you know, say, um, for like, say I brought up parasites. So what kind of parasites, what are we treating? And so it's very like smart treating because you're, you're not guessing you're asking the person's body. Mm -hmm. So that is what we do. And then I take supplements or things that she has come up with me to take. And, um, in the meantime, I haven't done an, a lot of extra therapies. I'll do like detox foot baths and, um, the sauna, you know, to get, I'm, I'm focusing more on like detoxing right now and then supporting what she comes up with. So that's, that's kind of what I'm doing right now. And, uh, you've mentioned in the past that 
the idea of simply doing something that makes you feel good today, Mm -hmm. a really hard concept. Yes. And um, that was almost an impossibility for you to consider what could I do today that just makes me feel good. Yeah. So my feel good time is my Epsom salt bath every single night. I do that every single night. Um, And I just wrote a post on clean beauty. And I I was talking about why why the line I'm using is worth it to me. Um, and, And that's because that's something that can make me feel good. And we talked about that when I worked yeah. with you. Like since I, the skin makes me insecure, it's like, I'm going to go ahead and stop feeling guilty about spending money on skincare. And I'm going to spend the money on skincare because that's yeah. something I can do to make myself feel good. Yeah. Um, so I, I included that. And then, you know, I don't drink coffee, but I have found a chai that like a chai powder I can make up at home that is kind of, something I look forward to as well. Um, and if I can, and I feel well enough, I, I try to walk every day, but it's not always every day. Um, but when I do get out, I really enjoy walking outside, especially like this last week. It's been amazing. <laughs> and right this minute, but it wasn't earlier. It was like, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so those are things that I've found and, um, that's yeah. So, um, you emailed me a couple weeks ago and you're like, look what I did. Yeah. Um, and so I really want you to share about this and, um, you have, you've started a website, um, mm-hmm. specifically, um, uh, towards, uh, Lyme disease. And I would love for you to share about that, how you came to do this, what prompted you, what, what is it that you, yeah, just, yeah, just share your heart on this. Well, what prompted me was probably you, (laughs) you know, our time working together. Um, I mean, I would have, I've been wanting to start a blog probably, probably since we stopped work. I mean, it's been about a year since you and I were together. Um, and because the fact is I got let go from my last job, which is kind of hilarious, but, um, it was a blessing in disguise, mm-hmm. like this year and that I was going to need to be here for my kids. And, and, and thankfully yeah. salary were fine and all of that. But so, um, but yeah, I just, I want to contribute to my family and, and blogging, if people don't know, this can be profitable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the idea is that you are sharing free content with people and you, um, you know, recommend things that you truly wholeheartedly believe in and, and then you affiliate with those people. So, um, I, I haven't found a job I can physically do right now and mentally do. Um, so I started because I do want, I do want to tell my story. I do want to share with people that maybe, maybe someone like me, three years ago that's lost has given up hope that there's somebody out there that can help them get better. Um, the, the diet of a Lyme patient is, is, is very different for everybody, but it's just, it's really hard. People are like, well, I don't know how you can give up dairy. It's like you would too, if you felt as bad as I do. So it's like when, you know, people that say the condescending things, they don't mean it, but you're just like, 
okay, I'm glad you don't have to give up dairy. I'm glad you don't have to give up gluten, eggs, and all of the rest. So, um, but you know, I want to be able to help people that need that help. So if you don't need that help, great. I'm happy for you. You're healthy. Things are going well, but there's a lot of people that aren't that blessed and don't know that. And, or it's like a mom, a mom that has a kid that has Lyme disease, you know, um, being able to offer her Mm. diet advice and recipes. And because with my background being in nutrition, I don't think I even said that, but my education is in nutrition, holistic nutrition, um, from a a school here in Washington, but on the East or the West side, um, my blog will shift towards more holistic nutrition, but it's always going to have the undertone of Lyme disease, you know? Um, and I, it's a passion. Food's been a passion, helping people achieve a healthy lifestyle has been a passion of mine for years. This is just going to be wrapped up into my experience and, you know, don't take, don't take the turns that I took here, learn from my type of mistake. And, you know, I just would have loved to have that four or five years ago. I mean, if, if, if I could have read what I'm writing four or five years ago, I would have been like, I want to meet her. I want to like call her on the phone and talk to her, um, which would make my day if someone reached out to me in an email. Like if, mm. if my blog ever gets to like a level of, you know, you know, you know, starting right. in the beginning, it can be like somebody viewed my page or, you know, like, yeah. I mean, so, you know, eventually the idea would be, you know, I don't know that it's just real. I want to help people. And, and, and this way, hopefully I can not only help other people, I can help my, my family at the same time. Um, so, and, and it really started with, you know, people, we grow up with these ideas about ourselves and what we're able to do and what maybe people spoke into us at a young age. And I think that what came out of our work together was that, um, I always kind of felt like I had to to do the eight to five clock. You have to make money a certain way. Yeah. And if you don't make money a certain way, then you're not doing it right. Or, or, you know, you're not, you're not an entrepreneur. Like you couldn't possibly do that on your own kind of these. And I'm not saying somebody in particular spoke those to me. I'm just saying as a kid, I grew up and into early adulthood felt this way, you know? Um, And I'm like, but why can she do it or he do it? And, and they're doing just fine. And I'm thinking I am smart. I have something to offer and I can't be an entrepreneur. You know, it's like, that's what came from, I think my work with you was that, what do I know about myself? What do I know about myself? Hmm. What, who cares what everybody else is saying or thinks or whatever. And that's what I've always admired of you. I feel like you put that off is that, you're strong and you know who you are. And that, that's what I got from this and kind of why this spiraled into where it's at. And then I I came across this. I mean, it was really fall into your lap. This is the time Jill to start your blog because somebody that I follow on Instagram, I took off like almost a year. I, I gave up social media. It was not helping my cause. Um, and so I was on her email list. I got an email talking about why she started her blog and I opened it and I'm like, this is interesting. So they were having a little, um, 
you know, our discussion with the program that she did and, and all of that. And I mean, it literally fell into my lap. I, I just could, it couldn't have been more mm. perfect. And you're just like, this is obviously what I'm supposed to be doing right now. So I did join, it, it was her 21 days to impact program, uh, Kate Kordsmeyer. And, um, she has a podcast too, by the way, it's, it's really good. Um, but yeah, so she, I did that. And then she has a, you know, another program that I'm planning on doing to follow up, but for somebody that thinks that they can't, you know, the tech, like we were talking to begin with, mm-hmm. before we even started recording, I would have never thought in a million years I could do all of that. And, and, you know, having a program that kind of helps you and then having some confidence in yourself, put those, put, put those together. And I feel like, um, I can pretty much do anything I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> <Short time. laughs> so, um, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's kind of how it started and where, where it's at. And I, and I hope it helps people. I, I think it will. And I'm going to just be patient with it and not, I think we, we can easily say, um, cause I still struggle with self-doubt. Like when mm-hmm. you put a post out there and, you're like, okay, I know my mom read it. Great. Did anybody else read it? Um, And so I think that, that we all struggle with that, especially when you put things out there in public eye. So I have to continually tell myself it's, it's really the right, just put it out there. The right people will read it at the right time. And, you know, yeah. Well, one thing you and I uh, definitely connected and and sh- and shared um, experience in was moving from one life identity into a crisis of identity, and then moving to the other side to who am I actually? Who do I want to be? Yeah. And um, and being at at peace with how I move forward. Um, with those are those are almost like catastrophic experiences when we are so used to who we are a different way. Um, But I think that uh, one thing that you started discovering and and I did the same thing is that this, this health moment in our lives actually launched us into Mm -hmm. a space with ourselves that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Now, does it make everything okay? Not always. (laughs) But, um, but it does uh, place value and depth to the experience that we go through when something is so life altering and so um, identity challenging. Yeah. And I think uh, looking at your website, one, it's just beautiful. It's just, it's fresh and light. And I think that in the, in the realm of hearing what Lyme is, is about and what it feels like for you, Mm -hmm. your, um, your website has this feeling of lightness in a very heavy, um, uh, disease. And, um, so that, you know, that's just, you know, out there, but I I think the resources are beautiful that you're putting out. I'm going to, um, link, um, all of that information into, um, the podcast notes so that people can find you. Um, but I also wanted to share with you that, you know, I think, like you said, things just land in your lap. Um, you had, you had emailed me and said, Hey, look at my, you know, I did this website. This is this thing I'm doing now. And literally within days, I meet this woman who 
um, almost can't walk by herself. She's being supported by her husband. Um, I think she was in her thirties. So she, you know, you look at it and you go, wait, something's, you know, you're not, you know, and, um, and as she started to share with me what was going on, um, she has been, um, suffering from Lyme disease as well, had remissions, had flare-ups again, and, um, just hearing her journey and just, it, it was a very different experience for me to have a conversation with her about it. Having had time with you. Mm-hmm. Um, around uh, your experience with Lyme disease. And I listened differently. <laughs> I heard what she was saying. Um, I knew that the explanations that she was giving um, were were very real, very lonely, but um, I didn't have that stigma of right. that, like we talked about before, that maybe it's in your head and you're just, you know, um, that didn't exist for me anymore. So I think education is incredibly important. Um, mm-hmm. Sharing your story and your experience is incredibly important for people who have maybe have no other connection with Lyme disease or chronic um, pain or fatigue disorders. The other is that I was able to share your website with her Yay. and give her a local resource. She is new to Spokane and being able to say, you're not alone here. Right. And you needed to know you weren't alone. Yeah. And so you having this resource now makes it possible that even if I can't understand the gamut of this, if I don't have the, I don't have the answers, I know I don't have the answers for this, but, um, but I can, can I can be one of those community builders who right. can say, Hey, I do know someone. Right. Um, and I think that those, those were reasons that I felt even um, that it was even more important for you to be able to share your story because there's so many layers to this, Jill, you know, um, you and I both stepped away because of our health conditions from a a community we shared. Um, and, uh, and we watch from the outside. We do. And that is, um, I'm happy for people. Yeah. And yet at the same time, uh, Jennifer Aniston and friends, Rachel, I'm 80% happy, 20% jealous, or like yeah. Monica and Chandler getting yes. married. Like we're 80% happy, happy for, for you. <laughs> maybe 70, but maybe 30% not. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. No, no, it's so true. And and yet I find myself too being as time goes by and as I learn to deal with my life being different, I I go, but I I'm kind of okay now. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm learning something new about myself that didn't really exist in that community. And so there's a new authenticity about myself that's um, come to light. So I get to know me differently. I get to um, have relationships differently. They're very real. They are wrapped around what I often, what I can and cannot do. And, um, and they're also, um, it's sort of given me space to venture into areas that I kind of put aside to train for a race. Right. And even though that was a good space in my life at one time, now I have, an, I have new spaces and I have new things that I'm doing. And so I, I think your story is really powerful to me, Jill, because all of that competitiveness and determination that I saw in you um, on the race course. Um, comes to 
Lyme disease. Right. It comes to this new website. It's it comes with all of that behind it because you're still determined. You're still Jill. Yeah. When you said that, that is like one of the best compliments I've ever gotten, by the way. But um, sadly, you will see even people that have like some people you don't have the determination to get better. Mm-hmm. And my hope would be that every, like the website can help everybody feel like they have, they have that ability. But, um, when I get really down and out and I feel, um, cause there are definitely dark moments. Cause I've yeah. had, like, that's the other thing, the depression, anxiety, um, kind of like these mental, mm very dark, dark, dark things. Um, and you know, there are a lot of times you want to just throw in the towel and be like, you know what, this is enough. Enough is enough. But I, when I feel like that, um, I feel like, and I, I'm a believer. It's okay. If other people aren't that listen, you don't have to, you know, (laughs) the same as me to, to follow my website or whatever. But when I personally get to that point, I, um, I feel like if, if I, if God set me on his lap, like I'm his daughter, he would say, I gave it to you because you were strong enough. You were strong enough. And I trusted you that you, you would do something with it. Um, and I, I truly feel like that. I truly feel like I, I'm not going to be one of those corny people that says, I'm so glad I got sick because of this, this, and this. Yeah. I am not glad I got sick. I just had a mental breakdown last night with my husband. So it's like, you know, I am not glad I got sick, but I can have a pity party every day, or I can, I can look at the cards that I've been dealt and and decide what I'm going to do with it. And, and that's the part that you're talking about. That's the strong Jill. That's the determined Jill. And that's the competitive Jill. And, and, and she's still in there. (laughs) So she's just using it for other things now. It just looks different. Yeah. And to piggyback what you said too, I am totally fine not running in the running community right now. It took me a minute to get there, but um, now I will see runners just on my street and I'll be like, can't wait until I can just go for a run again. Cause I know I will, but the whole racing thing and the whole, like being nervous all the time. It's like, I'm okay. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay. I, you know, so I feel like it took me a while to get there, but, but I'm, I'm good now. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am incredibly honored to know you and to have, um, you know, been able to to see your story as it unfolds. And I know it's not finished. Um, in some ways, something has just begun. Yeah. Um, in other ways, you're in, right in the smack in the middle of a, you know, chunky chapter. Right. Um, but, um, you know, I, I'm anxious for people to, to hear you talk about this. Because as I heard you talk about Lyme disease, it opened me up to um, something I didn't understand. Yeah. And, um, and it also helped me see that, that even though we have very different um, health road experiences, we have places we can connect on. Mm-hmm. And understanding that it doesn't take two people having Lyme disease to be friends, but that we can find those intersections yeah. where we can be of support to each other. Um, and I think uh, too, um, uh, 
just be looking at your website, this, like you said, this is not just for Lyme disease. There's so much good stuff here of just loving yourself, of just caring for your body in a healthy, non-toxic, um, uh, you know, health promoting way. Um, and I think those resources are just needed across the board for all of us. And so, um, I just want to say that so that the idea of Lyme disease and whether you connect with it in some level is not a game stopper to coming to this website and learning and growing and taking care of yourself. So, um, I look forward to, um, uh, seeing more of what you put out too. It's beautiful. Well, and I made it light. Like you said, I made it that way because I know what it's like with the brain stuff. So like if, if you're sick, And even if you're not sick, I mean, you don't want to have to read and, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. I try to make it clear and concise so that even in your sickest time or the worst time in your life, it's not hard to digest, you know, Um, where it's not like I could never do that. You know, I could never figure out how to do that. It's like, no, just baby steps, you know? Um, But I do appreciate you bringing up that it, it, highlights different things. Cause like I said, I mean, holistic nutrition will be a big focus, um, going forward and, and just, yeah, kind of non-toxic clean living type things like that. So, and I did want to add like an inspiration and community type situation. And I haven't, I've reached out to somebody that has Lyme disease, uh, cause I wanted to like highlight people, their mm. stories because everybody's is different and like have like a set five questions that those people answer and beautiful. Yeah. Um, haven't gotten anybody to do that yet. (laughs) That's the goal. Yeah. Um, you know, just so these people that are all struggling, whether they're here in town or across the world, uh, feel like they can say something too, you know, having, having a little blip of, Hey, sometimes it feels good just to get it out, you know, just have people hear you and say, this has been really hard. And I, I live behind walls and nobody sees it. And if, if you do know anything about me, like we've had intimate conversations, that's why, you know, what, you know, mm-hmm. so most people would have no idea what I went through in the last five years, because it's, you, you just hunker down and like yeah. isolate yourself. So, and I think you bring up a really good point in that is, um, in wanting people to be able to share their stories. Um, we don't always need to hear the story that has the happy ending that right. has arrived, right? right? We also need to hear the story of the struggle of yeah. this is where I'm at right now. The honesty of mm-hmm. today is a dark day. This is what I'm feeling. I'm struggling to see the light at the end of the tunnel, yeah. um, but this is where I'm at because I think that those are some of those spaces where we start to feel really alone in our experience. And when we hear someone else using the same language as what we're feeling, we're not alone anymore. Right. So I, I think that being able to, um, to have people share their stories at whatever space in this journey that they're in. Um, I wasn't going to wait to talk to you on a podcast until, you know, you came all the way to the, to a, a space of remission. This is, this is, important, um, that you're still right here in it. You're still, um, looking for the answers, um, to make your day different than it was yesterday. And, um, and I think that's in and of itself inspiring. Yeah. Um, So thank you for sharing 
your story yeah. with me. I know these aren't easy things to do. <laughs> I got, I think it got better as I went. I was super yeah. nervous. <laughs> I know. I was like, Jill, we're just going to have a conversation today. Let's, yeah. just, let's just talk. Yeah. And, um, but I think it's really, really helpful and really, really needed um, to share these stories. Um, so again, I'm going to put the show note, uh, put the information in the show notes, um, in my social media posts when, um, we release this episode so that they can make contact, um, with you and send you an email and, um, I love the email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, so. I really appreciate you having me. It's been fun. And, and I, I'm happy to have been walking with you through this. I mean, when you shared your own story on your podcast, um, I think you just learn things about people. I think, you know, people see you and they just, we all do it. We just make these quick assumptions and it, it's so powerful to know what's really going on, mm-hmm. what's, what someone's really walked through. Um, it's just crazy powerful. Yeah. You just see people in a whole new light. So yeah. Well, that's what you just did. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for listening. And may you keep connecting all the beautiful parts of you.